1: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: Ooh. I don't want to drive home! Tissy,
3: introduce
4: us.
5: Hello and welcome to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable with me, Tiss, and my co-hosts, as always... Beefy! And... This is Bob Shoy. Yeah. The idea is that we haven't done Ghost Story of the Week for a long time.
4: Yeah, well, very sporadically.
5: And we know that everyone loves ghosts. Yeah. Getting touchy. What? Bob's getting
3: touchy.
4: Why am I getting touchy? Because you want
3: to host the episode.
4: I'm not getting touchy, I'm just like... <laughs> yeah?
5: What's it about then? Tell us what it's I oh, said to him, on. introduce the show. Oh yeah, okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, you've caught me out there. Ghost story of the episode is, is what, what we're going for. <laughs> ghost
3: story
4: of ghost, the episode. Ghost episode
5: of the year is what we should call it. Although we'll probably do more. It's only sort of well, yeah. June, whenever, and...
4: whenever we get some, because our listeners send us ghost stories. Yeah. And we know people who are ghost stories. Everyone knows people who are ghost stories. So the idea is rather than like bang a ghost story at the end of like you know Mothman episode where it's not really relevant because people just want to listen to Mothman on the episode, save them back and every now and then do like a blast of ghost stories. Yeah. That's unless it. there's one that's relevant, like the Ouija board one. We had a ghost story of the week because there was a Ouija board related ghost story.
5: Yeah you Ghost.
4: So this is like Ghost Stories Volume 1. But should we still play the Ghost Story of the Week jingle?
5: Yeah. For everyone.
3: Now.
2: Ghost Story of
3: story the Week. <laughs> Do it for every I single love that story.
5: We, uh paused even though you're just going to edit it in yeah, and the no, pause have doesn't. have to delete that pause. Yeah, well. yeah like, You've story done more work for yourself with the pause.
4: Um. Yeah. You guys got any Ghost Stories then? <laughs> See you next week <laughs> Yeah
3: You've got none um, I, I, I actually tried Because I was Trying to put the episode together I actually tried Sorry that <laughs> I'll do you one better
5: <laughs> I actually tried Long winded way
3: Long winded way of saying
4: no
5: Sorry
3: I'm suggesting that You didn't try Oh you'd be Quite correct
4: Okay <laughs> We're running a little bit hard Behind on our Recording schedule tonight And we was going to speak to One of our listeners Dan Towards the end of the show, we're actually just going to ring him straight off the cool. bat. So Dan. we're going to start the episode by ringing Dan. down. Has he Dan. got a ghost story?
5: Is this part of the yeah. ghost sweet. Dan.
3: Hello. Hi, is this Dan? It is. Hiya. Oh, hi Dan. It's Beef from uh, Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. How are you doing? All right. Yeah, not bad. You? Yeah, good. Thanks, good. I should also add that Bob and Tiss are here. Hi Dan. Hey, no worries.
5: Hey, ma'am. How are you doing? How's it
3: your... going? Yeah, we're okay.
4: Hey, this is Bob Shoy. I'm just jumping in to let you know we lost this little next section of the phone call um, because our phones were too close to our interface, so it made a lot of uh, noise interference. But what happened now, basically, is uh, Dan just introduced us to his girlfriend, Sophie, and uh, she starts telling us about a, a haunted house she used to live in when she was younger. And that, that's literally where you, you miss. She just says like she used to live in it and then you can hear the rest of the story. Uh, There might be uh, a little bit of fluctuation in audio on this phone call. The phone call itself is um, maybe around 10 minutes long. So it's it's not too bad. We did a bit of a cleanup on it. But just that you know, yeah, the audio fluctuates a little bit on this phone call. And there's another short phone call later on the episode, which is only a couple of minutes long. But also be aware on that little bit. Just the audio fluctuates a little bit because we're having a little problem with the the phone phone calls and the interface and the interference and stuff. But we cleaned up the audio as best we could. Anyway, back to the phone call. But there were some incidences,
2: such as my mum
6: actually claims to have seen the figure of a maid inside
2: the kitchen
6: window. Above our kitchen used to be the maid's quarters and inside the kitchen window was the old coal shed and one evening she was just looking out the window and saw the figure of a young women in clothing of needs uh, clothing gathering coal. that was just one
7: instance the, um, the the weird thing is right before we found out and heard these sort of stories I, w- I was speaking to sort of Sophie's parents and they were telling me about when they first moved in and because
2: um, her, her dad was originally from Liverpool eh, and he moved up to this this small village just outside of perth right, right this house. Uh,
7: and I think I put in the um, in the email on Facebook. Yeah. This um, this house was attached, you know, backed onto a the graveyard, then a church sort of thing. And in the in the graveyard
2: were two graves with the same family name as, as Sophie's parents. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, and it wasn't it
6: wasn't it's exactly yeah it wasn't exactly a common name like Smith or Brown or uh, my maiden name was uh, Norwell. Okay. They, mm. they, they were really, really frightened. Um, my yeah. dad had to go outside with the torch and see if
2: anybody was there. But you know, as I say, in the middle of nowhere, yeah. there was,
6: it was quite, no one there at all. So that was another interesting uh, encounter. Going,
3: going outside and following the noise would be the, the last thing I'd want to do. Oh,
7: no, I, I, I totally agree. I
3: but, totally agree. <laughs> But yeah, I understand you want to know what
6: it is. But hearing them them not. Yeah, he was a sceptical, and he would have probably thought it was somebody playing a joke, which was highly unlikely at that time of night. Mm
2: -hmm. He's Um, braver than us. Yeah.
6: <laughs> um, no, I don't
2: think. So. Um, who knows what that that it was just a bit strange, a yeah, odd. Yeah. We were watching something, eh, hey, um on like YouTube about all these shadow people and things like that,
7: hey So I was quite interested in, in hearing them after some of the podcasts I've listened to. Yeah.
2: Just the one time that you saw that? Uh, no, no, it was um,
6: quite a few times, but only in that house in the kitchen. I've never ever experienced it anywhere else in any other time. I didn't have a clue what it was until we sort of Dan and I started being watching stuff and being a bit more interested in the paranormal.
2: And yeah,
3: yeah. So is is it, um, yeah. it just been that one? So you you're saying that you you had particular problems with that house. Um, have you experienced anything as you've gone to different houses or different locations, or has that been the
2: worst? No, n- never. It was only that house. And my sisters still, to this day, we all talk about how eerie it was, strange things, lights
6: going on and off, um
4: it's interesting how like specific locations can have these like negative vibes, and people oh, yeah. will all Absolutely. say like you know they've seen um, or heard things in one specific house. Or yeah, I find that really interesting.
2: Yeah,
6: right. uh, yeah. I mean, the house itself was apparently around 400 years old. The graveyard. Oh. Um, there was apparently an older church on the site of the. Uh, current present churchyard Indian burial ground? No, not at (laughs) all On the wall of the churchyard even to this day there's this metal contraption, I don't know what you would call it but it looked like it would maybe fit round
2: somebody's neck Oh nice (laughs) (laughs) Mm. It's it's been there as long as I've
6: ever known it Uh, It looks very very old rusty, metal Somebody had said that they would put it round,
2: say I don't know, what, not
7: a prisoner, or wrong in the village, oh, All right, yeah. throw eggs or tomatoes, or, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what
2: it is. I've got a, a wee theory though, that's about the whole thing. Go on. Like, Me and Soph, right, sometimes we go away on what we call mystery bus trips, eh? a bit like the Scooby-Doo adventures. Right, okay. <laughs> I, Are I, you from, Fred uh, or Shaggy? From,
7: Yeah. I hadn't been going out with Sophie that long and um, she said I'll, I'll take you to where I used to live and uh, she was telling me about how she
4: It's when these things all add up in the same place, your Absolutely. brain starts wondering: like, was that strange or was it not? And then you you sort of and go that's... back and forth
7: on it. Oh, yeah, thing, it's like you know these sort of horror films you watch, eh? Hey, and you think, oh, if that happened to me, I'd run straight away. Yeah, but, yeah. But so I've sort of, not grew up with it, but had a few
6: experiences, but you managed to stay in the house. Yeah, the I, I never thing. felt, I never felt threatened. I never felt it was there was an evil spirit. no. I Yeah, yeah. um, The
2: seance part of it, but I was never really
6: feeling
4: there was any evil entities. Mm. Well, um, thanks for calling in. We've got to crack on with the rest of the show now and talk to a few other people and Finn, but yeah, we really appreciate talking to you. That's
6: alright. Good stuff. You're welcome. Alright, cheers. Alright, thanks guys. Cheers, thanks guys. Bye.
4: Bye. Right, so um, that's our first caller. That was um, Dan and um, Sophie, was it? Sophie, yeah. Yeah, and um, some stories from a house she grew up in, linking mm. back to our haunted houses. This is almost a companion episode to the haunted houses one. Well. So we've got a friend, um, you guys don't know this, but I've been texting um, a friend of ours called Charlie oh, um, cool. because she was interested in our all my experiences using the Ouija board. Oh, yeah, yeah you've before. Yeah, she very much believes in that stuff. Mm. Oh. Um, so I said to her, you know, have you had any experiences yourself? What makes you believe? Um, And she sent me this message back. I said, have you ever encountered a ghost? Mm -hmm. I think so. A couple of things have happened in the past. that makes me think it was ghosts. Both times when I was younger. Once when I was about eight or nine. And again, when I was about 12, the first time was when I'd gone to bed and was lying with my back to my room, facing my wall. And I thought I heard my mum come in, so I pretended to be asleep. And I felt someone standing behind me. And when I opened my eyes, someone's hand moved my hair from my face. Then when I went to turn around, I saw my grandpa standing there, who had died a few months before. My mum still remembers me screaming. And she came in and I told her that I had seen my grandpa. It was very clear. I remember how he looked and everything. The next time was when I was around 12. And shortly after, my friend had died. I had a bit of a sleep paralysis thing, which I didn't know what it was at the time, where I saw my friends sitting on the end of my bed in the middle of the night in the dark and talking to me. So I'm definitely open-minded about ghosts. Um, I think there's a chance it could just be a trick of the mind, but I find it quite comforting to think that there's something else after we die. Wow. So, mm. Did you ever know that about no. Charlie?
3: No. 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 I mean, I suppose, funnily enough, uh, we never got on to talk about ghosts. No. But um, that's really... It's really in my head when you said about the hand moving her hair. Was it moving her hair away from her face? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I first of all went to like a really horrible, like creepy. Mm. But to then hear it's her grandpa, mm. it was obviously like a mm. that would really mess with your emotions, wouldn't it? Because you'd be terrified. I would say... Also... Well, she said she was screaming, and her mum remembers yeah, exactly, her yeah. waking up screaming. But equally, there's that emotion there. That's wow. That's pretty cool.
4: Do you remember I did the Ouija board? Yeah. <laughs> with Sean and Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Charlotte grew up in a haunted pub. <laughs> okay. And um she told me this about it. Um, Charlotte, I was told while we were recording, this isn't anything to do with the Ouija board, mm-hmm. you lived in a haunted pub. Yeah. Is that yeah. correct?
0: It is correct. I don't remember much of it myself, but I know like there were a lot of stories and it was just basically pub landlords and landladies ladies yeah. and everything like that. The classic pub so, stuff. Yeah.
4: Was there any like particular story that you'd get like again and again?
0: Well, my mum always told me about the um, the time she was closing up the bar mm-hmm. and she could just smell smoke, and she was literally the only person in the building at the time. And she thought well, it might be a regular smoking in the bar. This mm-hmm. was back when I was about five, six years old. And um, she went around the corner to where she could smell the smoke and was about to tell them, Look, we're closed up, no more drinks or anything, go away. Um, and it was the figure of an old landlord mm. just smoking on the bar.
4: Mm, I like that. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yeah, and it's what's also really interesting is um, there's a restaurant part to it as well, but we've closed up one of the doors, so now you've <coughs> only got one entrance to the restaurant, mm-hmm. and you just see landladies just walking through that wall, mm. and yeah, they freaked me out as a child. Yeah, <laughs> so I haven't been there since. I like so, old pub stories. Yeah.
4: I like hearing old pub stories. You always get them. Have you ever seen any ghost film?
5: No, no, no. Sweet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I live in a haunted pub. You lived in a haunted pub? I live in a oh, haunted pub. Oh, you live in, now. in one? Yeah. yeah. Everyone haunted? says it's haunted. I kind of ignore it so then I don't have to be scared. But apparently it's haunted. Have you had any ghostly experiences? No, but I lit a lot of incense since I've been there. Make one up and we can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you
3: not had a ghost come and sit and like just take your hair back from your face and tuck it behind your ear?
5: The other day, I had one of those situations where everyone's probably had it where you know you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Mm. And usually you just walk to the bathroom, you have a person you go back. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes is. you go through the hallway and you're just like you get an eerie feeling. What if there's a murderer in there? What if there's a ghost in there? It? Yeah. And it's like, "Yeah." And then you're just like, "What if there is?" There? And it yeah. and it just it's like a a feedback loop. It's like it gets bigger and bigger and yeah. and by the time you finish your piss, you're running back to your room. I used to, to run away bed. from the flush. When
2: yeah, I was a kid. yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? You like, do the, the like <laughs> run
3: because the noise yeah, is too bed. jarring in the middle of the night. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys remember when I used to live? Like, so the the first house in that, was bit that I lived in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was. A, do you remember there was like a little green opposite our house? Like, not a park, but just where There was a little yeah. brook, and then I, I always used to do the same. So if I got up at night, those blinds would always be open, mm. and I could swear, like you know, when you just wake up and you're kind of hazy and you're not really thinking, not really awake you're trying to stay a little bit asleep so that you can go straight back to sleep again when you get back to bed and I used to swear that I would see figures looking at me from outside on the grass like mm. out in the in between the trees like loads of ghost children and like yeah and like when you sort of when you're in that state of mind I used to convince myself I was like oh I'm gonna die and then by, by the time I finished my wee, I thought, nah, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so you're through that crisis in the time, <laughs> so you would have a wee. <laughs> but before you finish, do you know that the um, the graveyard in Suitley's haunted? Is it? Yeah, yeah. So I you going to try and do an EVP recording there? Apparently, there's um, one big main grave in the middle of the graveyard at, it, at St. Michael's Church in the middle of the village. Right. Mm-hmm. There's like a big concrete thing. It's like a <clears throat> flat surface with the thing on top. And apparently, if you walk around that seven times...
4: Um, <laughs> that sounds like bullshit. Yeah. This is you could probably what, have you gotta walk around it seven times? Seven's got a
5: deadly number, isn't it? I
4: thought it was a lucky number. It's uh, in the
3: book, so it's probably true.
5: Gonna do it. Okay.
4: And then I'm gonna go walk around it and then I'm gonna try and do an E V P recording. Do a Ouija board then. One little ten minute spin off episode. If we haven't got anything to put up, I'm gonna go and do it, guys.
5: We're gonna walk around seven times. E V P in Stukeley Graveyard. I say we, I'm not going <laughs> I'll, own, I'll right? be here when you get back. Yeah. Well, to, he isn't going to do it either. To cleanse you. I'll
4: have to find another volunteer. Sean? <laughs> <laughs> Karim? <laughs> this was sent an email from one of our listeners, um, a guy called Lee Bragg, who um, sent us some stuff about the 9-11 show as well. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yep.
4: So this is an email he sent. He said, I haven't got a ghost story of my own, but I live in Kent, and I'm about 20 minute drive from a ghost legend that haunts a busy road near Maidstone, which is supposed to be the most famous ghost in Kent. It's the ghost of Bluebell Hill. Which is a girl who runs in front of your car and you hit her thinking it's a real girl. Oh. And when the motorists stop to call the police and an ambulance, they can't find a body. Other times, the drivers find the body, cover her with a blanket, and when the emergency services arrived, she has vanished.
3: why did you have to tell me this just before I'm driving? Now, to this you?
4: is the scariest part. Oh, great. Many drivers have been driving down that road alone. And when they look in the rearview mirror, oh. she's sitting in the back seat of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they stop, and again,
5: she has vanished.
4: Mm-hmm. I don't drive down that road often, but when I do, I never look in my mirror, because that would freak me out.
5: So what, Um, statistically, Thanks, have we leaf. got like actual false call-outs to that location? Ooh, be interesting that to look awesome look would question. be
4: interesting. Well, it reminded me of um, a similar story that my uncle had told when I was younger.
2: Hmm.
4: And, um, oh, so I'm trying to remember it. Like, fuck, I'm going to ring my cousin. There
3: <laughs> we go.
4: you ring him. Yeah, I'm going to ring James, because he'll remember this better than me. I don't want to butcher it. If he doesn't answer, I'll try and tell oh, it myself.
3: Oh, man. There's images of... That's her. So there is actually, look, ghost girl scene again. This is... It's all over the news, Tiss. I don't want to drive home. <laughs> I don't want to look at these anymore. I need to find a silly picture to take my mind off it.
4: Um, I found one. There we go. Let me just try with my cousin, see if he can remember this story better than me. Hello? Hello, James. How you doing? How are you doing? Yeah, uh, we're recording an episode of the podcast at the moment. Yeah. Do you remember your dad telling you a story about seeing a ghost? A story about what? Seeing a ghost when he was driving to Weymouth. Yeah. Was he on a motorbike? Yeah, so he was on a
8: motorbike going up... Um going up the lane. You know where
4: the ghost cottage is the granddad used to go on about? Yeah. I think it's around there. That's where I remember it being, means being told. It's around there. Right, so what and, happened? Because I couldn't remember it properly. Okay, so he was coming up
8: around that cottage and he said there was um, high hedges on both sides on like a nice straight road at night. Yeah. And he was riding down that straight road and he saw like someone in the road, almost in the middle of the road, pu- putting their arms up in the air above their head. Yeah. From side to side, almost like stopped someone's here he tried to like stop and then like skidded almost on the on the, on the side of the bike and almost like said he felt like he went through them um but they almost disappeared when he like went through the i can't try to explain i'm sure it's a long time today and then he stopped the bike because he thought he'd hit someone turned back around because he, he fell off his bike after he went through cause he had to skid so quickly to stop and then he searched up the banks and everything and checked the road, see if there's anyone there and never never found anyone or saw anyone but he said he just saw someone he was driving straight, and then suddenly saw someone in the road,
4: putting arms above their head, and then skidded to stop.
2: Yeah. And then, yeah, almost
4: like, yeah, quite creepy. And I remember him saying, I remember about the hedges now, you said, because he said um, he was so sure he'd hit someone, and then he looked around, and there was... Checked all of it, he said. Yeah, and there was nowhere for them to roll off or anything, because it was like these high hedges. Yeah, he said, because on most roads, you've obviously got a high
2: verge, haven't you? Yeah. Almost like
8: a hill on both sides. He said there's no way... From the time that he almost, because he pretty much skidded his bike, like, I think he cut up his side of his leg, mm. and then almost got his bike standing back up again and turned straight back around, and he said, we, in that time, he said, there's no way someone could have climbed, you know, four foot of hill or whatever, back away out of the road. Mm. That
4: is kind of how I remembered it. Okay, thanks, man. Do you, but, do you mind yeah, me using this call on the show? To
8: add, I can't remember this. is years ago, is it? For this
4: story
8: mm. um, But I guess what I can remember off the top of my head.
4: Do you mind me using this call on the uh, show? Where well, are you going to be on the next episode then? Oh,
8: amazing. I'm on my big break. Appreciate it. I, I still listen to the show. I'm enjoying
4: it. Like, it's all good. Like I can't believe he did the Ouija board. I found that quite brilliant that he did that. Oh, you like that? Um, yeah, yeah. No, I've been listening. I'm still like an avid fan. Like I've been listening since the beginning, really, which is quite cool. Good but, stuff, uh, yeah. man.
8: Great. Thanks a lot. All good. right. And take care. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye. No worries. Well, bye.
2: So you are,
3: yeah. Oh, uh, We need to stop listening to stories about people driving. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Be very pleasant.
4: So yeah, that's it. that is how I remembered it. He skidded on his bike and he thought he'd. So that when Lee sent me that story in the email, it really rem... it suddenly rem... yeah, reminded me that of out. that thing of my uncle.
3: Mm. Tis, you worried about getting in your car in a minute? Not really. Oh, okay, it's just me then.
4: Tis, you've got a recording for me as well, haven't you? Yeah. Way back when we did the sleep paralysis episode. Yeah. Wow. Really? Long, yes. Episode six. It's like a year ago. He, he spoke to a guy called Richie on there about yes, what he'd sir, seen. I yeah. And when he spoke to Richie, then he also recorded a ghost story. Yeah. So shall I put
9: that now? Yeah, yeah, so. Okay. Everyone, there was one night where everyone took a bed, and I didn't have a bed, so I just stayed in like the corridor, and my feet were going <laughs> oh, yeah. into Kieran's like room where he was sleeping, and we were the kind of people that would just like sleep scare, like we that's, yeah that's yeah how we probably. lived. We were just like scared the shit out of each other. So I'm there sleeping, and then I wake up. And then I kind of decided in my eye I just see like someone in the doorway. I had this like sort of um black figurine sort of thing. And then at that time at that point I thought it was Kieran. So yeah, I was just yeah. like, fuck off Kieran. And then like it was just standing there and I was just like in my mind I was like, That's not Kieran <laughs> I was like, Shit. So I stood up and then like got up and then it just kinda of, like vanished. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like that's a story that I would be like, that's such bullshit, like I don't believe it, but that actually happened to me. Yeah. And uh yeah, I just jumped into Karen's bed and spooned him. That <laughs> <So I> was <laughs> terrifying. So that's kind of like I guess first sort of because that probably did you, see, did you catch the glimpse of the guy or whatever it was? No, or... it was just like a black literally it was ring. in your
5: peripheral and then it just as soon as you turned to look at it, it was gone. Yeah, yeah. That's wow.
9: exactly yeah. And I, but I wasn't sleep paralysed. Like, I wasn't paralysed at that point or anything like that. As soon as I realised it wasn't him, I just stood up and it wasn't anything like that. Wow. Another ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: wow.
5: What a spooky story. Mm, like...
4: Okay, I've got one more to read out of an email. Okay. Lovely. And then I've got one more. I'll read this and then I've got like a recording. So this is an email that Mark Fisher, writer of the Chillingham Castle book, and I bought <laughs> Yes. I bought the Ouija board from him. Yeah, yeah. Um, he sent me a number of ghost stories. Right. Like a lot. I'm not surprised. Um, because he, this is something he's obviously very interested in. Yeah. He sent me some really good stories. I'm going to tell one of them now, and then maybe some of the other ones I can tell on some others. Yeah, save some. So he said this is one of the stranger stories he's got. Right. I listened to a radio station about 15 years ago that was heavily dedicated to the paranormal. The presenter had been given an old druid chant by one of his researchers that would allegedly let you see spirits in your home. That's if any were present. You needed a candle, a mirror, chicken blood, and the chant. My friend and I decided to try this chant in my bedroom, stupidly enough. Obviously. I took the mirror down off the wall and leaned it up against the wall so that we could sit cross-legged in front of it. I read out the rhyme and extinguished the candle with the thawed chicken blood. After a few seconds, a dark shadow began to form in the mirror. It was thick, black, and started to take form of a person. We then heard a long sigh coming from behind us. We panicked at that point, and ran out of the house. People often say that the shadow was a trickery of the eye after losing the candlelight, but the room was not too dark, as the street light illuminated the room quite a bit through the thin curtains that I had. That's the most frightening experience I've ever had in my house. The sigh was real, loud, and heavy. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I never played the Ouija board or did anything occult in that house again after that. A strange fact for you. After the presenter used the incantation that night on the radio, many people rang into the show in tears after what they had seen. There were allegedly people taken to hospital as well due to shock. I don't know if this is entirely true, but it was talked about heavily here at the time. The presenter was asked not to use the incantation on the second night of the show, but even stranger, the chant seems to have disappeared from archive. I have searched for the full version many times over the years, and it's nowhere to be seen. I can remember about three quarters of it, but can't remember the last few sentences. It's always those parts missing whenever you search for it on the internet. Mm. Number
3: one. Yeah. That. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Just why? Yeah. Number two, where do you get chicken blood from? <laughs> well... Just like the chicken blood shop. Butcher. Uh, well, yeah. And three. That's horrible. Mm. Really, really
4: horrible. Mm. So we've got one more story, but a listener's going to tell that himself. Okay. Um, I couldn't arrange for him to call into the show, but he is recording the audio for us. Okay. And he's going to send that to us in the next couple of days. Awesome. So that's why I thought I'd say that to the end. This is a really good story. He sort of gave me the gist of it quite a while back, but I've been waiting for us to put a ghost stories one together. Yeah. So this is um, a listener to the show. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Um Jubel Brousseau. He's gonna send us the audio of that, so I'm gonna stick that right in here and I know it's a good story.
1: Is Jubal Brusso. I live in Portland, Oregon, USA. I consider myself to be a rational person. I have always loved ghost stories and I have read books on paranormal activity, but I have always held the belief that there is usually an explanation for such phenomena, even if it hasn't been discovered yet. When it comes to hauntings, I figure that any explanation is more likely going to come from the world of quantum physics than through any religious or psychic channels. Nevertheless, When I started listening to your podcast around the first episode, I knew I wanted to submit a story of an extraordinarily haunted house that I lived in a little over a decade ago. I should note that I am not normally given to these kind of experiences, nor am I easily spooked. However, when I look back on everything that happened, I realize that there's just too much to easily explain away. In 2003, I was house hunting with some friends, and we found a large house on Harold Street, in southeast Portland, at a reasonable price. As it happened, I was the only one available when the day came to look at the place with the property manager. When I arrived at the scheduled time, I was surprised to find the front door wide open. I called into the empty house to see if the manager was on site. There was no answer, so I decided to have a look around by myself. It was a two-story house built in 1912 with an unfinished but dry basement. The upstairs had four rooms and a bath. The main floor had a spacious living room, kitchen, bathroom, and large bedroom. All were empty, but when I looked into the basement, I was surprised to see that it was full of a jumble of discarded furniture and personal items. When I went back upstairs, the manager had arrived, the owner of the property lived in California, and was shocked when I told him the door was not only unlocked but wide open. He told me that he was sure that he had securely locked the door the previous evening. With no answer at hand, he simply asked me what I thought of the place. He apologized for the junk in the basement, saying that the former tenants moved out rather suddenly and hadn't given but a few days' notice. It appeared that they left only with their most valuable possessions and abandoned everything else. That should have been a red flag to me, but so far I hadn't noticed anything strange about the old house. I actually thought it was an enormous space for the price and that I would recommend it to my friends. Shortly thereafter, we began to move in. My roommate Paul had a lot of music equipment, swords, costumes, and other strange items, and wanted to take over the basement. I believe he had offered to take the stuff in the basement to the dump in exchange for a cheaper first month's rent. For the first month or so, I was mostly alone in the house, as our third roommate wouldn't be available to move for a month and Paul worked nights. I took a room on the top floor. The first indication of any actual presence in the house came when my friends Charles and Sam helped me move my things in. They had a dog named Zeus, a large Chow Rottweiler mix. Like any dog would be, Zeus was eager to check the place out. It ran from room to room, happily smelling each corner and enjoying the emptiness. Soon he bounded up the stairs and I was following him with an armload of my things. By the time he got to the top of the stairs, to the doorway of my room that I had chosen, he suddenly stopped and jerked his head back, almost as severely as if he'd been sprayed by a skunk. He turned tail and almost knocked me over, trying to get back down the stairs. He then sat, ears down and whining, until his owners were able to take a moment to comfort him. Within a day or two of moving in, things started to happen. Nearly every morning, I would wake up at precisely 4.17 a.m. I don't think it was a sound that would wake me, but I would suddenly be wide awake. I'd check the time, and in short order, I would have a sensation that a little girl was slowly pacing the hallway and would come into the room with me. The sensation was more about a sense of physicality than anything I could see, in the same way that you can sense someone next to you, even with your eyes closed. there would be breathing and soft crying, But again, more as an impression than anything literally heard. This began happening each night, almost as if it was a recorded event. It was soon after this phenomena started that I noticed that the pull string for the light in this room was extended by a rainbow-colored shoelace, the kind that a little girl would wear. On the main floor, during any time of day, I began to sense a second presence. This one seemed like an adult male. It felt as if he were sort of following me, but keeping a distance. If I walked down the stairs through the living room and into the kitchen, he would be entering the living room from the staircase when I reached the kitchen, and would stop when I stopped. This would manifest itself as a sound and physical impression as before. This time, instead of breathing, it seemed to be like a sort of rustling of a vinyl parka, that distinctive ffff of sleeves brushing against the body. There would be a slight creak of the floorboards, indicating that the man was quite large. I began to talk to Paul about my experiences, and he seemed more amused than anything. It wasn't that he didn't believe me, but he hadn't experienced anything himself. After a week or so had passed, I came home from work, again, to the empty house. I was surprised, however, to find that one of Paul's swords was laid across a chair, with a note attached that said, Watch out for little girl. You may sleep with a sword if it makes you feel better." It was a bit of a joke, but he later explained that he caught a glimpse of a little girl on the top of the stairs near my bedroom. Paul was a strange man, but not given to superstition either. Nonetheless, he began experiencing the presences as well. One afternoon, when he was practicing guitar in the basement, he was facing the short flight of stairs up to the kitchen. He suddenly noticed the silhouette of a man in the doorway and said, Hi, Jubal, and continued playing. The silhouette was not mine. It turned and went silently up the stairs. Paul put his guitar down and went upstairs to investigate. There was no sign of anyone in the house. Somewhere around this time, my friend Linda visited me, and I told her that the house was likely haunted. Her interest was piqued when I said that it seemed that the energies are more prominent the higher up you are. Except for the one incident in the basement, most of the activity seemed to be centered around the stairs to the third floor, or the hallway on the third floor itself. These were the only details I provided. I said nothing about the little girl, and nothing about a large man in a parka. When we went upstairs, she pointed at the ceiling to a panel and asked, "'Have you ever looked up there?' Indeed, I had not. I never noticed that there was an attic. We got a chair to stand on. She pushed the panel aside." poked her head into the attic. A few seconds later, she'd lowered herself down and had gone quite pale. She told me that she needed to get out of the house for a bit, so we went for a walk. Now, Linda's a great person, but I'd know her well enough to realize that she's the kind of person who psychs herself out about this kind of stuff. She'd also done quite a few psychedelic drugs up to that point, so I took this behavior in stride. However, by the time we were about a block away, she turned to me and said, Who the hell is the man in the parka? I was floored by this, and I'm sure that my reaction didn't help her with her anxiety. She explained that she didn't exactly physically see him, but got a very strong impression of him in her mind's eye when she looked into the attic. Otherwise, the attic was empty. After the third roommate, Michael, moved in, things moved quieted down a bit. I'd still frequently wake up at 4.17am and have difficulty sleeping, but there were fewer incidents. Looking back on it, I am struck by how little of what happened seemed to be the result of simply working myself up and imagining things. I'd be getting ready for work, sleepy, stepping out of the shower in the upstairs bathroom, my mind a million miles away, and as I'd reach for the bathroom doorknob, hair would stand on my neck and I'd be absolutely convinced that someone was standing on the other side of the door. When I'd open it, of course there was no one. That's the thing that gets me. It's not as if I was like Scooby-Doo or Shaggy, jumping at every shadow. This stuff came out of nowhere, and it ultimately became more exhausting and irritating than frightening. And it gets worse. Michael began to exhibit signs of depression and stopped going to work. After a month of Michael not paying his share of the bills, Paul and I realized that we may need to kick him out. I was chronically exhausted and drinking to get myself to sleep. Paul, who was normally an easygoing and unflappable individual, began having moved swings, and at one point actually stabbed the door to Michael's room with one of his swords. Soon, Michael moved out, and we moved one of Paul's friends upstairs across the hall from me. This room, as it turns out, has some particularly nasty juju. It had ugly, pale, yellow-striped wallpaper, where more than once I heard the sound like fingernails picking the paper at night. The girl who moved in, Megan, started to become paranoid and erratic in her behavior. At one point, she knocked on my door, held a toothbrush up, and demanded to know who else had been using it. Soon, Paul decided he'd had enough, and I wound up being the only person on the lease. The landlord insisted that if I was to break lease, he'd press charges. Apparently, he'd lost patience with tenants moving out with little notice. I moved Charles and Sam in as well as my friend Jessica, her son Eldon, and Jessica's friend Molly, who took the room with the striped wallpaper. Eldon took over my former room, and I moved into the basement. For a while, very little happened. I believe that this may be due to the fact that there was now a lot of people living in the house which possibly dispersed whatever energy was causing the phenomena. Sometimes, however, whoever was alone on the top floor would experience a presence, Charles, who to me is the very picture of a skeptic on these matters, was once woken up by the sensation of a little girl touching his hair and face. He thought it was Sam, but was surprised to find the room empty when he woke up. Eldon, who at the time was not quite four years old, could be heard talking to someone alone in his room. Now, it's natural for kids to have imaginary friends at that age, but this behavior only started up after he moved in, and he described his new friend as a little girl. Meanwhile, Molly began to act withdrawn, depressed and a little jumpy. As for myself, my personal experiences dropped off dramatically after leaving the top floor. Before long, I jumped at an opportunity to move in with my girlfriend at the time and get out of the place. I only visited the Herald House one time since moving out. Several months had passed. I still had friends living there, but there had been a lot of turnover. It seemed like people were moving in to replace people who are moving out about every other month. The one time I visited I was shocked by how cluttered the place was and how lethargic the tenants were becoming. A good friend of mine had moved into the room with the wallpaper and it looked like a rat's nest. His personality had shifted towards an uncharacteristic darkness and he seemed chronically exhausted. Eventually everyone was able to find other lodging and clear out of that awful place. I'm still in touch with several of my former roommates and the friends that replaced them after I left. And the experiences of the house on Harold still occasionally come up, the memories as vivid as ever. None of us have an explanation to offer, but we are glad that we've washed our hands of the place forever.
3: So you guys haven't got any more stories? No, just a, just about the the church. I thought about that. Um, yeah. I am actually going to do that for an EVP recording. Mm. But the, when when we were um, speaking with uh, Sophia and, and Dan, Dan at the start yeah. of the episode, I couldn't stop thinking about your mum's house. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just that whole landscape. Yeah. Exactly
4: well, you. It. That's they're from Scotland. So it's the it's the similar landscape. My mum's yeah. house is right this on the is border. I was
3: thinking of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tiff, say some words.
4: Got any uh, stories, man?
5: Uh, I think... Have we spoken about my mum's brother before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't Spoke know about of, stories. I
4: don't know That's why I mean, like, we've got no stories left of our own, because we used um, to. Well, I remember that one of my uncle, and I was like, oh, yeah, I've got one.
5: When I was a kid, I saw the outline of the Billy Goats Gruff. No. The monster from the Billy Goat's Ground. The growth. troll? The troll, yeah, yeah.
4: How do you know what he looks like? Uh, I book.
5: just saw a troll. It was kind of like. Um, you know, like a. Um, what are they called? The masks. The Japanese masks. The Kabuki hen- masks. Hanya masks. Oh, so,
4: Hanya masks. Is it Hanya masks? What's a Hanya
5: mask? It's like a. I don't know. I can't remember what to explain. Right. It's just a troll. Okay. Oh yeah, I know the mask you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The like the demon mask. That's at the demon mask. Yeah. It was kind of like that. It's like a big blue thing. And I literally saw it for like that... Where did where? In my room. I woke in up once. Room? In my room once and I literally woke up and I just saw like bang and I was like ah! just fucking screamed <laughs> the house down. They you just you scream, yeah. Um and my mum came in and she looked even scarier cuz she had like <laughs> stuff on her face and shit.
4: I told you guys about that one I thought it was a ghost in my room and then my mum came in as it was a washing <laughs> machine. <laughs> yeah. I already told that one. <laughs> do
5: you ever get that? When people... You know when you talk to people in the dark because they can't see your eyes or they don't bother looking into people's eyes they're just like talking like this? <laughs> that, well, for the listeners I'm not looking at anything in particular. Mm. They do you, do you ever do that? Mm. When you talk to people in the dark and they can't see you but you can see their eyes and they're not even looking at you they're just looking... Well, into, yeah, I guess I don't
3: really talk to people in the dark that much.
5: Mm.
3: But this, well, I mean, it depends on how dark it is. Like, if you have blackout blinds, then yeah, it'd be difficult to see it. But I, I can always see Rachel's face when I'm talking to her. Wow. At
5: night. I just turn out the lights. So I'm like, night Yeah, true enough.
3: If, if Becca starts trying to talk to me, I'll turn the
4: light I'm like, going to sleep. Sleep, no. going to sleep. <laughs> night time. Stop talking. Sleep, Stop yep. time. I want to talk to you about something. I'm like, you should have come to bed earlier than I've been up, up there. Because I go to bed really early and I read for like an hour in bed. Like, yeah, you've had all yeah, the, I've been here for an hour. Stuff. You could have come up here and told me that. I'm going to sleep now. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> right, you enjoy these spooky stories.
3: Yeah, yeah. I've almost completely forgotten about those ones that are going to haunt my drink. Enjoy your drive home.
5: There's actually a It'd ghost story that I remembered, but I'm going to save it for my own episode because it's actually more involved than just oh. a quick brush over. Okay. Same. It's a poltergeist that I remember from oh. back in the day. We I should do a seen whole a... episode on poltergeist. Yeah, right. man. There's a there's a poltergeist from London that's a fucking arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah, that's the
4: title yeah we it. should do an episode on poltergeists, right?
5: <laughs> Poltergeezers.
4: Test. Want to do the outro?
5: Yeah. Uh... I ain't got nothing.
4: Drive safe.
5: Spookulator. Yeah. Don't don't get spooked by the ghosts.
4: Spookulator.
5: Have a have a. Speak to later. A while later. of a time. Until next time, what was that? Well, there's a ghost in it. Hold
6: up. What was that?